So, you want to be a contractor. Ever wonder what it takes to become a contractor? The journey they go on to get where they are now, or the crazy things they see and hear on the job site? Well, you're in the right spot. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor, the podcast. Join your host, Mike Fisher, as he talks to owners of construction companies from all over about how they got started, how they run their business, and some of the craziest stories they've experienced on their job sites. And now, your host, Mike Fisher. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor. This is episode number eight. My guest today is Pete Fowler. My name is Mike Fisher. Uh, Pete, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. No, thanks for, thanks for joining us. We were chatting a little bit before we started and, and mentioned you're actually down in, uh, what, Oceanside or Carlsbad today, right? And Carlsbad, time between yeah, Vegas I was as well. I, I, I grew up down here and then left for 30 years because it got North County. It was too boring, but, uh, it's, it's, it's become, <laughs> it's, it's flourishing now and it's fun. Yeah. Well, you, you, you picked a bad day, I think, right? Uh, are you getting rain down there as well? We got some rain up here. Seems like it might be a better it's weather day in Vegas yet. today. Yeah, it's not That's raining good. yet, but it's, it's, it's cloudy and it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, let's, uh, let's hear your story. How did you, how did you get into this industry? What, what drew you to it and, and, uh, what led you to, to where you are now with, with P Fowler construction? So my mother was a barber. And we moved from Long Beach to Carlsbad in the eighties in the early eighties. And, uh, so she decided that I would be the shoe shine boy. And, uh, so I, I learned to shine shoes and many of her clients, you know, San Diego was growing like a weed back then. Many of her clients worked for, um, in, in development and construction. So I was, uh, thereby shining the shoes of many people in development and construction. At some point I decided I didn't want to shine shoes anymore. So I called one of the people I knew whose shoes I shined and they got me a job digging ditches in North County, San Diego for one of the big construction companies. So it's, you know, I just, just started, I don't, I don't know why I thought, oh, you know, this would be a good career <laughs> out in the sun. From shining shoes to digging ditches. Sweating like a horn church. Uh, you know, I just drove by, I just right. drove by the, the Costco, uh, in Escondido. That was the first one, like the first project I ever worked on. And, uh, really? I went to the, yeah, I went to the superintendent and I said, you mind if I go into the yard and, you know, if I can get off an hour early, I want to go to the yard and see if I can get put on a project closer to my house, to where I live. I was 16. And yep. I remember like it was yesterday sitting in his El Camino and he was a cranky old, you know, superintendent. He goes, where do you live? I said, I live in Carlsbad. He goes, so I live in Oceanside. I said, I make minimum wage. He goes, whoa, whoa we got to get you a raise. You know, cause it's, I, I'm not that smart, but I'm, but I'm very energetic. I uh, work hard. So that's, uh, yeah, but it, 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 my, my, my number one skill, hard work. Yeah, uh, it's not a not a not a bad trait to have either. I mean, I feel like that that translates. So it's kind of well. obviously uh, my assumption is that you kind of just moved your way through through the ranks uh, with that one company. Well, or I, I could be deep I first I, until COVID, nobody literally almost nobody knew I ever played music, and then my music room became my home office. I didn't have a home right, office right. before COVID, and now you know the the screen comes on, people are like, oh my god guitars so yeah so i took a little detour i didn't go to college until i was 21 but uh 
when you play in a rock band as a kid, you're either in food service or you're in construction. Yep. My best buddy, whose birthday is today, um, who was the singer and songwriter of that band, um, he was in food service, so he kept his bed, and I was, uh, you know, went into construction and stayed there. Um, finally, by 21, my mother summoned me to her home and said, son, if you don't go to college, you know, I'm not going to pay for it. And I said, mom, I can kind of go to college anytime without indignity, but I'm pretending to be a rock star right now. And it's super fun. <laughs> you know, I'm really talentless other than I'm a <laughs> decent answer for a white guy. You know, I was playing the bass and she goes, I'm sorry. I didn't explain it. Well, what I meant was if you don't go to college now, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so she's like, you know, the car you drove over here that I gave to you, that's right. not really Taking your car. Taking that back Why? too. Right. So I went to the prestigious chief of state at 21 as a first semester freshman. I thought I was going to be a journalism major because I'm a decent writer. <laughs> um, but then I realized I didn't want to follow people and follow interesting people around and write about them. I wanted to do some stuff. So I figured out they gave college degrees in construction. I knew I liked that subject. So I got a bachelor of science in construction management. And I, you know, so I ended up playing a rock band the whole time, had a great time, but, uh, got out of college and went straight that thankfully for me, cause the economy had, had trended downward while I was in college. And, but the sand, the earthquake in the San Fernando Valley, the Northridge earthquake had occurred. So I went straight there and started putting buildings back together. And uh, I worked for, I ran a guy's construction company, um, who, who also dabbled in consulting. So I realized that having sang in a rock band, so I got low performance anxiety <laughs> and having been a journalism major for a uh, yeah, little while meant that I wrote reports better than 99% of the people in construction. And then just knowing construction, you know, I, I, I started digging ditches. I've done it my whole life. Um, it, it, it I, I got to be a consultant as well as a contractor. So, you know, it gets us through the, when, uh, when the economy tanks, I don't have to fire all my, my, my beloved friends. I get to, you know, right. we get to, we get to ride it out. You know, it's still bumpy, but, but, but so it's been that's a fun, a, fun that's, ride. That's a fun story. Yeah. And the, and the, and the, and the skill set combination coming together there is, I, I, I mean, I, obviously you weren't in the, in the service industry, but you said your buddy was, I, I was in restaurant management for a long time, 10 or 12 years. And I feel like, and then obviously, you know is as a server and, a, and an hourly employee well before that. But I feel like I, I always say along with the driver's license, you, you need to work in customer service for a couple of weeks, um, uh, just to kind of understand how people operate and, and how to communicate yep. with people because that's a, uh, it's a pretty valuable skill. I, I think that everybody should have to do, you know, so I, the, I did work, uh, as a bus boy and, and ultimately a, uh, a captain in room service at La Costa here in Carlsbad. Oh yeah. That's yeah. my only not construction shoe shining and a, and a short stint, like one year in at La Costa. It was, you know, like five-star resort. Yeah. Um, everybody should have to do the shittiest jobs. And if you, and if you can't, if you can't do those well, then you shouldn't get to do a better job. Right. In my opinion. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's like be, be humble and go do a shitty job and, and do it as well as it can be done. Ooh. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. I've had, I've had, I've had uh, you know, it's, it's the, you know, I, I, I really like the whole diversity and inclusion thing that's going on right now, because um, it, 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 
old white in, um, in, in, entitled people, old, old white guys, you know, they're up constructions full of them, right? They, they make me more mad than they make any, you know, anybody who's not a white guy like me. I'm like, well, what are you doing? You're not even that good at what you do. And you're indignant about, you know, somebody smarter than you telling you how to do it. It cracks me up. That, that, you know, that sort of entitlement, it, you right. know, I don't care where, where, where it comes from. You know, it's like, I, I shine shoes and picked up dirty dishes. What are you talking about? I'll be, you won't answer the phone or you will, right. you know, whatever. Right. It's, it's, yeah. it, it, it gives you a bit of, of context on, on humanity and life, right? I, I, I love that. And I think it's, I don't mind. I still don't mind doing the dishes. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. So what were, I got to know what mom's thoughts were when you were construction and, and rock band before college. And then she sent you off to college, probably thought everything was going to be great. And you're going to wear a suit and go to work and make a bunch of money. And then you got out and went, oh, I'll bring her right back into construction. She, so all she cared about, it was, it really what my mother quit high school at 16 to marry. My father had me at 19, uh, and my sister, they, and, and of course marriages that start when people are 16 usually don't work out. So this right. didn't, but so she knew this wasn't going to happen, but she wanted to have two children from the same father. So she got herself knocked up on purpose to have my sister. And then she proceeded to, she, her, her fantasy was to raise yuppies. Right. She wanted, I don't know where she got this idea. I don't even, she doesn't even know her. She's like, I don't know. I just wanted to. She's very funny. She had a barber shop, but she was a, you know, a little entrepreneur herself and, um, did very well, but literally put me through college. Um, she paid for four of the five years that I had, that it took me cause I had to take an engineering series that I, you know, I had to take basic math at the junior college when I was going to, to Chico. So. But, but really, and she said, you know, she said it, you know, she, of course she likes me better when I'm successful than when right, I'm not. Right. It's a whole different story that I'll talk to my therapist about. <laughs> uh, but it was like, listen, if you get a college degree, I, I don't, I don't care. Just get a college degree. I don't have, I didn't have that. She still had not gotten her high school equivalency. I have a picture of her that we use for the training in my office because it's important for us to communicate to non-technical people. We have to. We work for smart people that don't have a technical background and we have to explain technical construction issues to non-technical people so they can make smart decisions. Right. So literally we have a picture of my mom in all kinds of presentations and all. we'll put them in the file. Please explain this to Pete's mom because she's a smart person. Somebody not as smart as Pete's mom is going to have to understand this, what we're explaining. So go ahead and explain it. And you know, engineers with their freaking pocket protectors and using you know, all their big not, words and yep. It's like if we, we're, we're talking about buildings that are like sticks and stones and pieces of steel and glass bolted together. It's not that complicated. I mean, it's, you know, it's complicated because there's yeah. a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Yeah. And there's three dimensional geometry and there's the, you know, dimension of time and money and things. So let's not pretend what we do is easy. It is not, it's hard, but it's not, you know, we don't have to explain physics to anybody. So. Uh, I can't even remember what I was explaining, but what, what your mom was like when you came on, came out of college with a degree. So she, so she was totally cool. As soon as it, she realized I was going to get, I was actually going to get a college degree. She bought me this guitar right here, which at the time, you know, in the, it was like 1991 and that was like a thousand dollars, which was a lot of money at that time. 
By the way, that guitar is appreciated and worth like three thousand dollars. I can't believe that Ibanez what, what is it? Japanese made guitar. Ibanez. I was going to say it looks like an Ibanez. Marijuana, that thing. That thing. I, that, I could tune that on Friday night at the beginning of a gig and play all weekend and not even have to retune it. It's a great wow. guitar. Even I can play fast on that. I'm not very good. <laughs> but she, so so as a so so once once it was clear I was going to get a college degree, she was cool with it, and and I. For whatever reason, I, I screwed around, screwed around, screwed around. But when I got out of college, I started working. Um, I mean, the first thing I did was say to my boss, I want to get a pass because I had gotten a minor in computer information systems, but I still didn't know. You know, I knew how to stare at a black screen and type in, in program and COBOL, but I didn't know how to use. I wasn't an expert at uh, Microsoft Windows, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, all those right. things. Well, I got my boss to pay, I, I got him to say I could work four 10 hour days and I spent for six months, he bought me a six month pass. Um, and I think at the time it was like $600, which was again, a lot of money in 1994. Yep. So I went, I spent one day a week, I worked four tens and I spent one day a week, full day for six months, taking beginning intermediate and advanced windows, beginning intermediate and advanced. So three days, you know, of Microsoft Word. Excel, PowerPoint, that was as great a tool. I would, I still recommend that to any young professional. I don't, don't even go to college. Just go do that first. Right. You're, right. you're going to be, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a carpenter who's, who knows how to use his or her tools. And, and if you're, if you're on the professional side of construction or you want to move to the professional side of construction, you've got to be able to use the computer. You've got to be able to write. And that served me. I mean, that was almost as valuable as my bachelor of science in construction right, management. I mean, right. you know, the stuff, the construction management, you can just read a bunch of contracts and yeah. go work for a contractor <laughs> and learn all that crap. Yeah. I mean, it's good for me because I testify as an expert and I'm like professor Pete at some point who has a college degree in construction management, but it's not that complicated. Read the doc, you know, if you're a good reader and you can learn to write in a simple way, you know, it could be me being a highly, um, uh, esteemed professional in construction, it can be done with elbow grease. Right. Right. So where, where do you think, where, where do you think let's, let's go back to playing in the rock band, digging ditches, working your way through the construction. Obviously that the construction path was, was in you somewhere, right? Because even after college, you, you went that route as well, but, um, where well, I can tell you where that went, when that started. My first week on a job site, I was, you know, I was literally working on the Costco in Escondido and it's a concrete tilt up. Yep. And I went out there and, you know, I work a couple of days. I did, did literally, they put me, you know, in a ditch with a whacker, you know, and the thing weighed as much as I did at the time. I, you know, so I'm sunburned and I'm, you know, beat up, but well, for whatever reason, I wasn't deterred, but you know, whatever day three or four or six on, on a construction site, it went from you know, concrete slabs as far as the eye could see to a whole building, you know, with walls. Now, of course, right. I didn't know how, you know, how early in the, in the construction phase, but it went in one day. I was like, holy crap, that is fun. We yep. just built a building. Yep. That did. Yep. Right. So that's a cool thing. Well, especially Dude, being able to drive by it now too and see it still, right? Like, that's, yeah, like, that's, I'm yeah. I built that thing. Yeah. That's fun. Right. But right. so going back to that time litigation period, practice where I drive by and I say, Hey kids, I worked on the litigation <laughs> business. It's not nearly as satisfying. Yeah, right. as you yeah. You can't, <laughs> not as tangible, not as, not as sexy for sure. Um, 
where where do you think your, your path would take? Where do you think you'd be had you not gone to college but stuck in construction? You think you're in the same position through like what you said, elbow grease and and that determination? No. So I so I think I probably would have ended up in construction, and I would have been either you know running a, a construction business. I would have sat in a trailer for a lot longer than I did building stuff out right. of the field. I ended up in, I ended up in the consulting business because of that. I told you that magical, you know, accidental right. skill that I had. Yep. And I really liked being a dad and I, um, I, I wanted to take my, drive my kids to school in the morning. So, so, so transmuting into consulting made some sense for me. I, 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 you know, I, I, I worked late at night rather than, um, than, than getting up at four o'clock in the morning and driving to a, to a construction site. Yep. And so. So that, so that I, I made that, that was a hinge point, a decision like, oh crap, what am I going to do here? And so I, and I had kids right out of college. I was 26, which by today's standards is like knocked up. Pretty old. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no. You know, so, so, but you know, but you know, by comparison to my mother, this was old, but by, you know, by that, by today's standards, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, man child. Right. But, uh, but so that served me well. I got to be, you know, be active in the way that I had envisioned. Uh, that, that my father wasn't around very much when I was a kid. So I really wanted to, you know, that colored my perspective on what I wanted. Right. So I got to steer that. But so, um, like I mentioned, my best friend who I played band with, he did not go the traditional route. And he invented, uh, he went into, he eventually went into, he went into medical. He eventually went into medical sales. He eventually invented uh, a, a medical device and he's taken his company public. So I don't have any doubt that, um, that I would have been reasonably successful just cause I, you know, I, 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 I got, I work hard. Right. And I think there's that, some level that's of that. Yeah, greatest, yeah. Right. So, but I think I would have been on the development or the construction side more because my, because my, the college degree, the writing, the minor in computer information systems, all that stuff made me you know, it made me picture perfect as a consultant rather than as a, right. as a, as a builder. So what do you, what do you guys do now? What does, what does P Fowler construction do now on a, on a day to day and operate? The, the elevator speech is we do three things. We do, um, building inspection and testing of many kinds. We do, um, estimating quality and construction management, you know, traditional professional services for construction. And we apply those areas of expertise that we have there on traditional non-litigated work to, to projects that are in claims and litigation. So something like 80% of the work is now in claims and litigation. We still have real non-litigated construction management, building inspection, you know, waterproofing failures, roofing problems and specifications, that kind of stuff going on. But that's the smaller side of the business. The bigger side of the business is claims and litigation. So construction defect litigation, um, traditional property and injury claims. If, um, if a washing machine hose breaks and it, um, the, or, or actually what happened, what we have a bunch of these cases where there's a salon on the top floor of a really high end mall and they have a hose break in a, in a sink or a washing machine and it damages the businesses below causes, you know, a million dollars worth of, you know, business interruption. Yep. Uh, or somebody falls down the stairs or somebody gets injured on a construction site accident. And then the third type is, um, is traditional construction contract claims where there's either a delay or there's arguments over change orders 
or there's a design defect that causes all kinds of problems, some things like that. And you guys are stepping in at that point as a, as a consultant kind of, and I would, I would guess kind of mediating that process and, and as a, as a non-biased yeah, usually third party. we're hired by one of the, sometimes on a rare occasion, but, but more than anybody I know, we get hired by the mediator to say, come on in here and be a neutral. Right. Usually we get hired by one party or another. And some of these cases have two parties, some have 200, not right. usually not 200, but 100 is not unheard not of. Out, yeah, for sure. Some of those bigger construction but, sites, yeah, you know, big, sure. you know, we're building a high rise. Yep. It's, there's a lot of parties involved. So we get hired by those parties and we, I mean, really, it's almost exactly the same process every time. And that is we get a data dump of just, you know, anywhere between five documents and more than a million documents. It's crazy. Some of these projects are, you know, with Procore yeah. and yeah. all of these, you know, systems now and everybody's sending 300 emails a day. There's, there's too much information, <laughs> I think. You know, it used to be better. You know, I used to get bankers boxes full of stuff. Now I well, get it was, hard You were forced to be more organized because you couldn't keep everything, right? You could you could only keep the things that you could keep physically. So you That's were forced right. to be a little so bit more organized. You, you didn't you yeah. didn't communicate going, yeah, cool. That sounds good. Send. Oh wait, can you do this one more thing? Send. And I thought about this. Send. Right. Like there is. It, it's it's a worse time in construction now than it was. So hopefully it comes back. But literally, um, this is this is my favorite new book, A World Without Email. Email is the worst tool for construction professionals ever invented. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Text messaging is even worse. <laughs> where you got, That's it's where it's not going for sure, yeah. We're writing into our contracts. When we're doing construction management, if it's not in the weekly meeting agenda, if it's not in there, you can't, it's not a claim. You cannot, you cannot claim that you communicated to us via email or especially via text message. You might as well just open your window and yell it out the window to us. No, the answer is no. Email. <laughs> Put it on the back of a homie carrier, carrier pigeon. Email is not notice. So, um, so, uh, the, so, so well, all I love of that this too, because nobody wants to pick up the phone anymore. Right. I mean, it's my, my, I, I, watched the, I, I watched a talk by an old, an old guy called uh, how to manage millennials. And he said, when you ask a millennial, did you call them? And they say, yes. What they mean is they sent them an right. email. Right. So, yeah. and, and by the way, it's not just millennials anymore. There's, they, they are no worse than anybody else nowadays. The, yep. the old people still send you a message, stop, pick up the phone or put it on a meeting agenda, have a sensible list of what needs to be, what you need to inspect, what you expect. You know, that we all have to be a construction professional. You got to inspect what you expect. And if you don't write it down on a list, then you're going to, something's going to fall off the table or fall through the cracks. I love that. So I was telling you when I, I get distracted, obviously I get distracted easily. I was telling you, <laughs> like on these, claim, these claims and litigation projects that we work on, we gather what I just, we take a mountain of data. We take a project pile because most people don't have project files. They have project piles. So we take these people's project piles and we take out of it what we deem important and we make a sensible file and then we just read it and we, and we interpret what we think about that. And then we have to decide what should have been done, 
what did get done. And if something bad went, happened, why did it happen? Whose fault is it? How do you fix it? And who ultimately, you know, how much is it going to cost to fix it? And you know, I'm a cost estimator too. That's right. my, you know, right. my first expertise was in cost estimate. How much is it going to cost to unscrew this screwed up situation? And who's responsible? We have to allocate responsibility. We have to, we're the, I stole this from somebody. They said the best definition of expert witness I ever heard was, um, they're the people who come in after the battle and bayonet the wounded. <laughs> Just so put cool. you down. Yeah. Yep. What, yeah, um, so. is there any sort of the, the, the information part of it, um, is, is frozen pretty right intriguing now, to me. Is there any sort of. Hold on one second. I, I did, you, you froze from the beginning of that question. Oh, sorry. I apologize. So nope. is there any sort of, uh, artificial intelligence that you guys are using to kind of, uh, scrub through any of that data or are you guys doing all that by hand? So I would argue that we, we deal with it as well as anybody that I've ever seen, but there is nothing resembling AI. Wow. Uh, what, what we would really define as AI, I mean, the, yeah. the most we can do and, 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 and even, even this is, is, is dangerous. It's great first pass. If you get everything, uh, you get optical character recognition on everything, and then you do some search terms, you know, if there's yep. a million documents and it's literally as if you printed it out, you just dumped them in a swimming pool. Right. But, you know, we, we always try and start with, okay, where are the plans and specifications? And, you know, are there, are, you know, at one end we have the original bid set, right? No, or even before that, sometimes, you know, whatever. And, and, and then at the end, do we have sensible as builds? You know, it's nice if we do, and then there's always changes all along. Right. And then in between there, we've got, uh, you know, RFIs and the responses to those RFIs on subjects we've got, um, change orders um we've got um you know architect supplemental instructions we've got meeting agendas and minutes that might be on the subject then we end up with testimony where people are like well we didn't write it down sorry we just talked about it right which is i mean right we, typical you know and, and it's not this isn't this shouldn't break anybody's heart this is part of right. it this is if we if we if we meticulously documented everything we did then we'd never get anything done right. so it is fine we should have some sensible structure some you know meeting rhythms some you know daily logs and things like that but so we gather all that stuff and try and develop a working hypothesis of what happened there's always something that went wrong so it's okay we know this went wrong we walk upstream as far as we can to the genesis, what was originally thought about, what it, what happened during the course of construction, what happened once they found the problem, did they fix the problem yet, or is it still a problem? I mean, not admit many of the projects we work on that the problem is still a problem. Sometimes right. they hire us to fix the problem. Usually somebody will do it cheaper than us, but sometimes it's messy and we need to step in and actually articulate the solution, monetize the solution, and then execute the solution. It's like a doctor, right? So right. we examine, we diagnose, Triage we prescribe a solution, and sometimes we even do the operation. Yeah. What, um, is there, is there an extra fee to give all these files back to these people who are completely organized and, and like you guys do it too? And cause I have to imagine you, 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 you set them up a little bit more organized than, than you get them in most cases. 
You, you couldn't, you, you, I mean, it, it's funny just so, so the audience knows we did not speak before this, but you couldn't be setting me up for uh, my <laughs> sort of marketing sales pitch any That's, better. You're but, welcome. You know, here, here's a softball. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> so, so we, I, I, I mentioned I have a liner in computer information systems. And I work like a crazy person. So at well, some point. I have point, to imagine whatever you guys do is very meticulously detailed and, and organized because it has to be. So we built a proprietary information system that is, as far as I can tell, the best document management, electronic document management system in the business. And so we organize our stuff in this system and our clients can get a password protected thing and, and see all of that, including our summaries of it and our, you know, we, we organize it sensibly. So yes, it's all there. Anything that we, not only the work that we create is always, of course, there. Um, and we call it client access, but on our side, it's our file management system, but everything that anybody sends us goes there and it's in the cloud. And literally I still have every file that I've created since I got out of college. This is what a lunatic I am, right? So this is not, I'm not bragging. This is like, oh my God, you're a lunatic. I have every file I ever <laughs> created since I got out of college, except six weeks in the nineties, a server died, my computer died and the backup was six weeks out of date. So oh, I tried to get it fixed, but the, but the hard drive was fried and I lost those six weeks. And how much sleep do you lose uh, a week <laughs> thinking about that six not weeks that you don't have? <laughs> yeah, not, not anymore. That's, I'm, that's I'm over. The it, took, that's, it took a decade. I'm over it. Now. I was going to say, that's something that would bug the crap out of me, knowing that, <laughs> knowing that I had that much, except for that one little piece. Yeah, oh, no, no. I, I would be, uh, I'd be pretty frustrated. So what, what kind of team do you guys have? How does, how does finding people that are as meticulous and, and into this that, as you are and have that skill set is it how hard is it to find those kind of people what, what kind of uh i mean i have to imagine it's not easy so we, we actually um my um my the recruiter uh, my hr person just public literally this week published a blog post on covid hiring which i would recommend it's on you know pfowler.com learn articles it's in there very new one um, but, but for us, so there's you, no group of humans, no matter how, um, you know, it, it, and until there's at least a thousand, you don't want two lunatics like Pete Fowler running around. So, so we're not looking to, 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 to find a clone of Pete Fowler. Nobody would want that. Um, so, so, you know, uh, the, from the beginning, the management philosophy was we've all got quirks. And so if we can, if we can get a team that works together in a way where our strengths are, uh, are leveraged and our weaknesses are made irrelevant, this is the ideal world, right? Now we've been terribly, you know, imperfect at executing this. There's only 50 of us running around now. So it's, and it's taken 20 years. So obviously, you know, I'm no genius. It, it, I've been working at it a long time, but. We try and figure out what it is that we, um, we want, you know, we write a sensible job description. We go out into the world and we, I mean, these days, you know, and construction professionals have options. I literally had a meeting this morning at eight o'clock, you know, an hour ago. And I said, I, I say to everybody I, I work with, I understand. I, I don't want anybody in our company who couldn't get a job by tomorrow afternoon if they quit here or got fired. Right. I mean, that's just. I don't, I don't, I mean, yep. the, the world, the, the world is, if you have, 
um, expertise in construction right now, the world is your oyster. You can go anywhere you want. You can yep. have a job, you know, that get, get paid pretty well. So, I mean, it's my job to just make people's lives easier in doing work. I mean, that's really, it's, I mean, as, as a, as a leader of this business, you know, I have, I have managers who are better at me than everything they're doing. So it's, you know, it's my job to nurture them. I'm trying to build an information system with my IT guy that serves them well. But as far as finding people, it's, it's as much attracting, right? Like I'm selling to people we're trying to hire as much as, you know, I'm not interviewing them. Like, you know, we're, you're lucky to have us. I mean, I right, hope they right. feel that way, you know, the same way I hope my wife feels that way. Right. <laughs> but it's not right. It's not, it's, it's a two way street. It, yeah. It's, and it's, in my experience, I've been saying this for 20 years. My experience is there are more wonderful people in the world. Like this is in contrast to business owners. Well, good people are hard to find. I think good companies are even harder to find. Yep. Good workplaces are even harder to find than good people. I, I mean, I, I love the people that I work with and, uh, and I feel lucky to hang around them. So. So going out into the world, so, it, and with that said, it's still very hard to find people who, it's not hard to find nice, hardworking people, but it is hard to find people who can do what we do. Right. So literally we test people, we give them tests on um, doing uh, some of the basic things that we do before we hire them. Because, you know, we don't want to have somebody quit a good job to come to work for us and then have it, have it be ter have them not be good at what we do. Yeah, the test is, is almost just tackling. as much for them as, as it is for you, right? Just because nobody wants to be in a position that they're not able to succeed or, or don't have that skill set, right? So it's it's almost works for both sides. It absolutely is. I mean, the, the last thing I want to do is hire somebody. And, you know, you've probably heard the business adage, hire slow and fire fast. And and we, we believe in that, but it's not with, with any, I mean, having... Realizing that we made a mishire is the most gut-wrenching thing that happens in our business. You know, right. if we lose some money on a job or something, it's not, you know, we're, we're stable enough now that that gives me no stomach acid, zero. But, but, you know, having, you know, hired somebody and like, oh my goodness, now we have to, you know, it's, I, I think someday we'll be so organizationally mature that we have a mechanism, like, like we're their coach for getting another job somewhere. Right. Right. If they don't work out for us, because it's like you can, everybody can be an A player somewhere, but not everybody, you know, we're not everybody's cup of tea. You know, not some people don't want to stare at, you know, the prospect of looking at a million pages of documents. I mean, this is kind of exciting it's, to me. I think it's neat, but some people <laughs> like, I'd rather bash my head on the table. <laughs> right. Yeah. And no. that's, and then, right. So, so trying to, so birds of a feather should, uh, eventually flock together if we, you know, if we, cause I still, I really, uh, have fallen back in love with my business. Like I never have. It's we're having more fun than ever and we're getting bigger and cooler projects and we're working with smarter and smarter people. It's really a neat time. You know, there's so much going on in the world of construction. It's really neat. Yeah. 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 Well, then I think uh, going back to kind of what you were saying about attracting people, uh, I think, and we chatted, I know you said we didn't talk beforehand because that, that, that kills your story, but we, we did have a brief conversation on just marketing. Like but, five but, minutes before. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but he is true. We, we didn't talk. I wasn't setting them up on the other stuff, but, uh, on the, on the marketing piece, you, you said that you guys have been, been in the, in the content marketing business before, you know, that was, a, that was a thing. So what, 
what kind of led you to that and, 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 and pointed you in that direction oh. at that time? So I, so mm. at some point I started getting named as an expert witness in my early thirties, late twenties. I mean, I got, I got out of college at 26 and was getting named as an expert witness before I was 30. So, you know, but I was technically an expert. Do you have, you know, do you have, um, so I looked up the definition of expert witness and there are legal standards around expert witness. Do you have experience? You know, and the idea is that can, can the expert aid the trier of fact, either the judge or the jury right. or the arbitrator? So do you have experience, which I'd been in construction, so I was 16 years old. Do you have specialized education? I had a bachelor of science in construction management, which at the time, very few people have still today. Right. It's a, yeah. it's not a giant major. And, um, so one of the things was, oh, and do you have licenses and certifications? So I immediately ran out and got a bunch of licenses and certifications. Um, and then, um, do you have peer reviewed, do you, have you published on the subject? So I started publishing articles in magazines. And so I wrote the first article that I know of in a national magazine, uh, about construction defects. And I'll tell you, there's nothing that makes you more expert than, um, having to write something for broad publication. Cause right. if you write something stupid, people will even, even in the nineties, if you write something stupid, people would write to the editor, that's stupid. Right. And nowadays they'll just brutalize yeah. you right, yeah. online immediately. So, yeah. and so we've always, um, written things down and we've always given presentations. Like literally I, we have a webinar series, a monthly, we do a monthly webinar and we do them live. We used to do them live and in person. We do, we have full day trainings, but we have more than 100 training programs on all things, buildings and building, you know, building the verb, the noun and building the verb. So, and, and, and related to building performance analysis and, you know, just building basics all the way from building basics, construction management basics, and more advanced topics on the professional side of construction, and then the physicality of buildings and when they're not performing well, evaluating when they're not performing well, and then talking about how to handle oneself as an expert witness. Really, it's all my internal training. I'm just willing to share it, right? Like I'm a all boats rise with the tide kind of a person. Yeah. I want to compete against people who are, who are, um, smart and capable. It doesn't bother me because I'm, I'm working on projects where I am, I have to, in the end, I have to swear to tell the truth. So I'm not making facts. And so if I win a case, it's not, I didn't make facts. I don't, I'm not, it's not, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a, a zealous advocate for anybody other than I'm a zealous advocate for my analysis. I got to decide what I think is true and then argue that persuasively. That's right. all my work. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm like a journalist, right? I'm like a journalist. And if, if I do something, if somebody asks me to argue, to defend a guilty client, I, I, I might, like, yeah, but your client is guilty. <laughs> they did right? it. So, I mean, yeah. our normal thing, our first line of training in our office is, so you're probably too young to remember the TV show, Perry Mason. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I was watching it in reruns in the seventies, but Perry Mason was a lawyer who always represented <laughs> innocent people who at the beginning of the show looked guilty. So all, most of our clients are guilty, but what happens, you know, cause most of our work comes from insurance companies and lawyers, and we do a lot of work for owners who are suing people, but usually it's on the defense side. 
75 percent it's on the defense side 70 maybe it's only 70 percent now it used to be 80 or 90 percent defense side but so the typical prototypical project for us is a contractor gets sued he tells his insurance company his insurance company hires him or her a lawyer and the lawyer hires me the insurance company pays me the insurance company pays the lawyer and we're representing this contractor who got sued and the other side typically says you did all this bad work and you owe me a million dollars. And I look at all this stuff and in the end I go, well, your client is kind of the goofball and screwed up a bunch of stuff, but we can fix all this stuff for a hundred thousand dollars, right. not a million dollars. Right. It's very normal for us. Right. And so that's, so, <laughs> so our first, you know, our first line of training in our office is we are not defending contractors. We are evaluating whether or not these issues that have been alleged are true. And we, um, always operate with integrity. We literally have posters on the wall. Oh, I don't have one right here. Posters on the wall that say act with integrity, solve the problem, do awesome work. That's our core values. I love and that so, last one. Do awesome work is good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and we have a definition for that, right? And the definition does include communicating to my mom. All right. <laughs> yeah. Does my mom understand yeah. your... If my mom understand, you know, what the situation is, what we have to work with, what we think and what we recommend. And if yes, boom, awesome work. Awesome work. Yep. That's yeah. awesome. Going back to the training series a little bit, I have to imagine a lot of that was started, uh, internally, right. Um, for, yep. for your own training, um, uh, of your exactly. own employees, How, who do you see utilizing it now? I mean, obviously there's my brain's racking with a number of people inside the industry that, that, that could benefit, right? Even on my side of it, right on the insurance side, like there are times where I get on the phone with one of my clients and he's talking about, or he or she is talking about a claim or something that happened. And, and they start using words that I've never heard before. Right? Like I know what concrete is and I know what painting is and I know what drywall is and I know, what, but sometimes they start talking about some of this technical stuff that's, that's in the, uh, in, in their claim specifically or some type of work that they did that's very specialized. And I got no idea. Right. So. Right. Where do you see, so again, I mean, a lot of that could be helpful in, in any aspect of this industry, but I'm just kind of curious where you're seeing people use it most often outside of your, your business. So we use it, as I mentioned, you, we talked about this, I, you know, we were doing content marketing before that was a word. <clears throat> so we used to literally print out my magazine article, common construction defects and mail it to people. I translated that common construction defects. We still have a. We still have a, uh, a, a webinar and live seminar called common construction defects that we give. It's evolved over the years, but surprisingly yeah. not that much. Right. Not much. So, um, so mostly who uses it are, um, lawyers and, um, insurance professionals to understand the world of construction defects and construction claims and, you know, our general liability claims. So, you know, a lot about this, by yeah. the way. So I just published a magazine article. I'm, we publish a lot in the Journal of Light Construction, which I would recommend. I, I literally became a construction expert by reading cover to cover the Journal of Light Construction and Fine Home Building. It, the, from the day I got out of college, you know, for a long time, I read everything in both of those magazines every month. And I ended up showing up to, you know, to, to meetings with, uh, with experts who were 20, 30, 40 years my senior. And I was the smartest guy in the room. That's the, I was never the, never been the smartest guy in the room. If, 
if I'm the smartest guy, you were, you were the most well-informed. Yeah. But yeah, I was the best informed. Right. I knew I could talk Turkey with everybody. Right. And it really was. So I highly recommend that. So, so if somebody's thinking about, I think I'm going to get a college degree in construction management, I would start by just, you know, reading every contract you can get your hands on and reading cover to cover, fine home building and the journal like construction. If you're working on light framework, there's of course, big building publications and things, but, um, so one of my more recent articles in the journal Light Construction is called Insurance Basics for Construction Professionals. And if I were you, I would send that to everybody. I would send, if I were you, I would send my article from the journal Light Construction to every one of your prospects, right? They should know that they need a smart insurance person, probably even more important than having a smart lawyer. And I argue that in the article. Right. No, this I mean, is, it's, it's yeah. absolutely right. I mean, my, my favorite clients are the ones that actually understand insurance and challenge me and ask me questions, right? It's yeah. the ones that, that I have to explain every two and say, this is why you don't want this. This is why this is a bad exclusion. And I have to explain yeah. all those things and go through step right. by, I literally had somebody today I was on the phone with who was saving nine grand going with a different jail policy because, but it had a prior work exclusion on it. And I had to explain what a prior work exclusion was and, and why that's bad and what what the downfalls of having that is and, and how, how negative that can be for him in the future and all those things. And, and whereas, you know, that that's the, that's, I mean, I, I don't mind doing it. It's my job, but it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when, when everybody kind of understands those things and, so, it, and it makes, and it makes my job easier. Right. And going back to what you said, as far as competing with smart people, like I'm the same way, right? Because if I'm out here doing that, trying to sell the, the policy that's more expensive because it doesn't have all these things that are terrible for you as a contractor. That means that there's somebody on the other side willing to sell that policy, whether oh, they yeah. know it or not, because, yep. you know, I mean, if, if they know that it's bad, then that makes it even worse. But if they don't know it, then, then that's bad too, right? That's not, not good for the industry. I had dinner on Monday night with a client who's moved over to a, to a, to, to hand to process claims at a, at an insurer that they, they wrote those policies that, you know, like literally roof leaks were excluded from policies. Yeah, from they a roofing contractor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's, and they, it was just like, I mean, they're, they're adjusters. All they did was go, nope, yep. nope, yep. nope, nope. They're like goalies. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 Right. So, I mean, this is, it, it, it's, 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 it, that's a bad plan, but, um, contractors gaining understanding about that. And then, you know, having a, having an insurance professional who's like their priest, like, right. like it's bad stuff. <laughs> Confessions, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so, awesome. Um, so that's so. So certainly, I like to put this stuff out in the world. Of course, it um, serves me well, right? Like everybody in my company needs to know what is in that article, insurance basics for construction professional. So that's why I do it. But then I put it. You know, I got to put it together, and I got to train everybody on it. But then I put it out in the world and uh, hope again, hopefully all boats can rise with the tide. I mean, the yep. construction industry is still so big. I'm going to be long dead before it's sophisticated in the way that anybody who makes a phone is right. right? I mean, that business right. has clumped up into a couple of top tier players and, and, and so construction is, you know, bigger players are getting bigger. And, um, those bigger players are incredibly sophisticated, yep. um, the, the same way that Apple 
and and Samsung are Toyota are, but there's still a bunch of cowboys. There's still a bunch of cowboys and cowgirls, and and so the world is never going to run out of claims for me to to process, and it's never going to run out of screwed up buildings for me to unscrew. So <laughs> it's no it's just so right. big. Yeah. 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 So where, where is, where's, where's the future of Pete Fowler construction? What's, what's down the road for you guys? What do you see the next three, five years? Well, the next three to five years, we're just going to, um, uh, continue to grow by, so my competitors, um, they're, they're nice people. And, and in each of the businesses, there's a bunch of smart people, but they don't run their businesses the way you know, Apple or Samsung or Toyota, they don't have a quality focus. They don't, you know, we're super quality focused. So like the Toyota production system quality, like lean, they, there's all, there's a million names for it. Right. My business card doesn't say president or CEO. My business card says chief quality officer. And so a focus on um, defining what good performance looks like, training everybody in my business to do that good work. Cause it's hard. I mean, my work, yep. knowing a lot about construction, is just the, that's the first thing you have to learn. Say, that's, then that's, how to do our work. That's entry level. Yeah. Yeah. That's entry level. So, um, so figuring out how we as a larger enterprise do work that has close to zero defects, it's hard. It's hard for everybody. Um, but I think we will become, I think we may end up becoming, if I ever get, you know, famous, the only famous I ever wanted was maybe, you know, People who know of me and work with me think I'm awesome. That's it. That's all I care about. I don't want to, I don't want anybody interrupting me at dinner, <laughs> but if I ever got business famous, I think it will be for the application of quality management principles to professional services, including construction work, right? Applying the principles that, you know, in, in, you know, and uh, the iPhone, you know, if you, if you Google like lean or six Sigma and Apple or Google or Amazon, there's thousands of, of job openings for quality professionals. Yep. You know, that's something that, that certainly people who might listen to your podcast might get into having a Lean Six Sigma certification and real experience in improving the quality of a, of a, of a business operation, I think is more valuable than a bachelor of science in construction management. But, um, so for us, I think that, that is a, um, that's a, a, a place where we will continue to deepen our expertise in construction quality, but more so in we are better and better at, at doing the work we do and we are gaining organizational maturity. And so we just are getting better and better. And I don't think our other, our, our, our competitors are good marketers and good sellers, but they're, they don't do the work particularly well. So, you know, they'll have one and two people in each business that are really smart. And I think, I think those people are going to at some point go, what are they doing over there at Pete Fowler yeah. Construction? I think I want to hang out with them <laughs> because we, because that's our focus is we, yeah. we are people who like to, I love to do good work. That's my, I get a thrill. I, I swear it's, this is so goofy. I get, I just get chills <laughs> saying that like when I write a great report, I, it gives me a charge. I'm like, that's kick ass. I mean, the, the way I used to go, oh, hey, we built the Costco. I get the same charge from doing smart work and. And there's a lot of people, there's enough people in the world like that, that we can be 10 times yeah. our size. And, and, and I so think uh, my guess is that by the that, time get there, I'll be, I'll be old and probably right. done and ready to give that over to somebody else. But we also, you know, there's a big need in the world for housing units. 
especially California. I mean, you know, we, we, you know, there, when I, I tell you, when I grew up in Carlsbad, there were no homeless people walking around, right. You know, there's an explosion of homeless folks. It's because housing is too expensive here. And that's a pure, in my opinion, that's a pure supply and demand issue. So, you know, we got, got smart people smart enough to participate in the development of the housing units. So we're starting to dabble in that. Oh, wow. that'd be fun. Kind of a little, little yeah. twist to take for sure. I have to imagine that if, if I'm, if like, I'm Pete Fowler, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm Pete Fowler, I think the legacy too is, is that you become irrelevant, right? Not, 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 not irrelevant, but the Pete Fowler construction becomes relevant because you've done such a good job teaching the industry how to be, do all these things that you have to step in and do that, that somebody like you isn't necessarily needed anymore, right? That, that all these things that you guys are doing are become common practice in, yep. in every construction sub company, right? Rather than having to yep. become a third party. So not that I want you to become irrelevant, but more that. No, I, 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 I don't mind that at all. I, right. I've had, I've had clients like. And that's the legacy, shoulder. right? Like that's, that's the end goal for a legacy in my, in my assumption. And that should be any quality consultants, um, uh, ideal is that, that the company becomes like Toyota where it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They just continually right. improve forever. It's part of their DNA. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Pete, this has been awesome, man. I, I want to, uh, I want to thank you for, for taking the time. It's, it's been amazing. You've been super fun to talk with and, and, uh, very inspirational. I've, I've written down more notes than I have on, on almost any podcast I've ever done. So this has, uh, been super fun, but before we let you go, want to, uh, give you an opportunity to let everybody know where to find you, where to find your training, all those different things, how to get a hold of you if they need you. And, Whatever, whatever it's, it's else. easy. Peakfowler.com. Yeah, Peakfowler.com. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and, and, and most of the stuff is there on the website if you hack around a little bit. So, um, you know, there's a learn page. If you're looking for an expert, the team page, most importantly, if you're a smart, uh, construction professional and you want to join a group of smart construction professionals, please don't hesitate. I'm also on LinkedIn. I mean, any search go, you know, if you, especially there, there's a, there's an artist in um, Wales or somewhere named Pete Fowler, who, um, who, who has a, a tremendous interest in coming up first in Google. But if you Google <laughs> Pete Fowler construction, it's, you know, you're going to, so. It's going to work out so, your but, SEO uh, a little bit, man. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I was, I was alive when the, at the birth of the internet. So I have PeteFowler.com, right? That just means I'm old and was into technology <laughs> then. <laughs> Uh, I didn't have to buy that for more than whatever, right, six bucks. Right, right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm easy to find and, you know, don't hesitate. Uh, you know, if you do reach out and I, and I pawn you off to someone else, it's just cause I'm crazy busy at the time, either be, um, professionally persistent or talk to somebody in my organization. There's a bunch of nice, smart people hanging around here that, uh, that, that are looking to hang around with other nice, smart people. Very cool. Well, we're definitely going to keep in touch because I feel like, uh, if I can't help you, you can definitely help me. And, and, uh, like you said, with some of those sure. articles and stuff. So, um, be I happy to. Look forward I mean, to if you guys want to do programs that are, that are focused up, that are education focused, we'd love to yep. do that. Awesome. Very cool. Pete. Yeah. Once we get, it's been great. Take care, take care, have, have a good rest of your day and, and a good weekend and, uh, look forward to, to following P. Fowler construction. Yes. Nice to meet you, Mike. All right, man. Bye -bye. Have a good one. 
Hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to hit that subscribe button to get all the latest episodes. And if you had a really good time, leave a review to let us know what you thought. Until then, go gather some crazy stories on your job sites, and we'll see you next time on So, You Want to Be a Contractor. <laughs>